Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Jets fans, want $50 off your next round of drinks? Try Tap RM. They deliver the drinks right to your door so you can skip the lines and trips to the liquor store. Discover new and exclusive drinks or shop for your favorites. Don't worry, they've got all the options for you. Order your first round at taprm.com and get $50 off your first order using promo code JETS50. $50 off $100 of beer, not a bad deal. I would highly recommend it. I've done it. Connor's done it. Joe's got it. So, Make sure you go to taprm.com, use promo code JETS50, skip the lines, and get $50 off your first $100 worth of beer. $100 in beer for $50, can't beat that. Now let's get into the pod. Setting up, looking downfield, he's going to heave a bomb for Corey Davis at the goal line, into the end zone, he's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Jets regular season is in the books. We are on to the 2022 offseason. A lot of uh, a roller coaster of a season. Obviously, uh, a lot went down uh, this year, positively and negatively. Um, but a lot to look forward to, you know, in this upcoming offseason with 60, 70 million dollars of cap space, multiple four top 40 picks, multiple uh, different positions to address. And pleasure to be joined by uh, my two younger brothers, Charlie Parkinson and Matt Parkinson. Uh, you know, both cover the NFL or diehard Jets fans. So pretty excited to kind of get into this. We've been working on waiting to do this for a little bit, while, a little while now. We'll, uh, we'll start off, wanted to get your kind of opinions on, um, you know, what your either, you know, takeaways from the season were, um, you know, some disappointments or what, you know, some positives, what you didn't expect. Charlie, we'll go to you first, and, uh, and then Matt, will go over to you. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Happy to be here. Um, going into the season, I feel like I had pretty, like, low expectations, just kind of wanted to see all the young guys play well, which I think... I think that was definitely a success. Obviously, win-loss-wise wasn't what we wanted, but um, outside of, I think, some like half of Zach Wilson's season, I was pretty happy how everyone performed, um, you know, getting, getting a lot of the young guys to be able to play and then play well at that. Um, the biggest thing for me that was a disappointment is not really something that we planned for, obviously, but I think our free agent class right now is like just like a big miss and 
I think there's a next year is going to be really important to uh, to fix that as like a lot of them were injured. Um, so we just had a lot of production on IR, which like you can't have when you're trying to win football games. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think something that, um, you know, we can't, can't be overstated here is, you know, Carl Lawson, Corey Davis. And it's not just the top two guys that are making, you know, 13 plus million dollars a year. It's the LaMarcus Joiners, the lacquer production from Jared Davis, Dan Feeney being um, a pretty big waste of money as a backup, uh, Justin Hardy making three, $4 million a year and uh, committing penalty after penalty. So um, Matt, want to get your kind of takeaway on, um, you know, the season as a whole and, you know, what maybe impressed you or uh, was a disappointment? Yeah. So for me, um, the biggest disappointment I'd say, Oh, I have two. So for one, I would say the defense was definitely really upsetting because, you know, Robert saw coming in defensive mind, um, you know, in free agency, we didn't do much. Uh, obviously, we got Carl Lawson, but he, he got hurt. But So I wasn't expecting, you know, all this stuff to happen. But we got gashed in a couple of games, you know, namely like the Colts game, the Patriots that second time. And that was just an embarrassment. Um, and normally, you know, as a Jets fan growing up and, I mean, all the years, you know, the Jets have always pretty much had a very solid defense for the most part. You know, last year wasn't wasn't very good, but we had a couple of good performances. Then this year after – you know, a couple inconsistent performances. We just got murdered a bunch of times. Um, and then the obvious one, Denzel Mims. Um, uh, you know, we're talking about the 2022 NFL draft, and we're talking about taking a receiver. You know, if Denzel Mims panned out or at least was any good at all, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this, and we'd be able to fill another position. But now we're needing another weapon for Zach Wilson um, because Den Denzel Mims simply couldn't perform or even, you know, get the right snap count. So, you know. It's unfortunate, but there we are again. Yeah, I think that um, the Denzel Mims point, you know, obviously we can't, you know, stress enough that it's between him and Mekhi Becton, uh, you know, those are your two top picks of the Joe Douglas's first draft in 2020, guys that showed and probably the two biggest, you know, positives you might have taken away from last year. Um, you know, it's two and 14, Adam Gay, Sam Darnold, the whole nine yards, but you felt pretty good about what you saw from Mims in flashes and obviously what you saw in a, a ton from Mekhi Becton. And you get two quarters of Becton, um, gets rolled up on because GVR can't block. And, uh, you know, obviously that's incredibly disappointing. Now there's questions around Mekhi Becton and, you know, the Jets getting mocked at, you know, as drafting a tackle at four. You look at Denzel Mims, the Jets are heavily linked it with receivers at 4 or 10 or, you know, in the trade market. And, you know, even if they Denzel Mims had played well, maybe they're still targeting a receiver, but it maybe it's a day two or day three consideration for adding one more body, not the Jets need like a prime time, you know, number one, a, you know, type weapon. So I'm fully in agreement with you there. I think the wide receiver group as a whole that are, I'll have an article coming out about this Monday that. You know, it just was disappointing. Yeah, obviously Elijah Moore flash and, and bunches. Braxton Berrios as well um, did a nice job. But Keelan Cole was overall pretty disappointing. Uh, Mims, incredibly disappointing. Corey Davis, incredibly disappointing. So, you know, the, the wide receiver room is obviously frustrating. Um, I thought the corner room was really impressive, though, on a positive note. I thought, um, you know, going into the, going into the year, it's probably, it's probably the worst room, cornerback room in football, or the one you had the least faith in. And... Brandon Eccles had a nice year. It looks like a hit on a six-round pick, whether he's a long-term starter or not. You know, it's TBD, but as of now, he's at least, you know, a CB3 at worst. 
and, and as a contributor, Bryce Hall took another step this year. I think, you know, he's probably closer to his ceiling as maybe that cornerback two or, you know, maybe borderline cornerback one with, with some help. Um, I thought you saw some, you know, CJ Mosley return pretty much back to form um, for the most part. Other positive notes, obviously Michael Carter, this 2021 class of Carter, Vera Tucker, Moore, um, you know, really flash, you know, like I mentioned, Eccles, um, even Jason Pinnock at the end of the year at safety was a guy that showed some stuff. Um, Hamsa Nazaruddin started to come back from the injury and had a couple nice moments. Um, there's, there's a lot of really good positives to take away from this 2021 draft class, this young core, Braxton Barrios's emergence. Um, is there anything else you guys saw from a positive perspective that uh, either took you by surprise or guys that just impressed you, um, you know, over that 17 game stretch? Yeah. Um, one thing that obviously we talked about Bryce Hall, that was really impressive to me. Um, I actually, and I think, I think the most impressive player on the team was, was George Fant. And I think going back to that off season, when we signed him, it was like, we got to make a big move. We, we need to improve the offensive line and we go and spend $30 million or whatever it was on George Fant. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, like that's not a good move at all. This guy sucked in Seattle. Everyone complained about him. He's played like four years of football in his whole entire life. He sucks, whatever. Then he comes in last year, right tackle. He, he, granted, he's not an amazing run blocker, but he did what he needed to do. He was like a, he was a good pass blocking tackle, which was exactly what you're looking for, you know, kind of mid value free agent signing. Um, and then goes over to left tackle this year after Beckton gets hurt and just plays lights out again. He, I don't think he's some crazy run blocker, but ideally Makai Beckton's on the other side of him and we're running to that side anyway. I think Fant returns to the right side in 2022 and plays well again. Will, will he be a top three offense pass blocking offensive tackle in the league again? I don't think so, but I think he can be a really good player once again. And um, yeah, I was just really impressed with him and I think he was really helpful. And honestly, the whole offensive line and just the whole end of the season kind of like coaching and management um, with all the injuries and COVID, the fact that we were still able to like feel the team at that point, especially the Bucks game, like, having a scrapped up offensive line and like um, practice squad receivers, Connor McDermott catching touchdowns, that part of the season really impressed me. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, and then there's just like, I think we're in a really good spot. Like we have a direction going forward um, with some young players contributing and then have some clear holes, but also have a lot of, a lot of things we can fill those holes with. So I think, I think you gotta, there's a lot of negatives you can take away from this season, but, all in all, outside of like maybe a little bit of a question mark at quarterback, I think I think things are definitely looking up for the Jets. Yeah, for me, um, you know, I look and a guy that stood out a lot this year. I know we we he got a contract extension, but John Franklin Myers was such a beast this year. Um, you know, a couple times again when our defense got gashed, it was kind of like easy to criticize a bunch of different people, but you know, we're not, we're not up there watching the film. So, you know, we don't really know what's going on, but John Franklin Myers looked like he was probably the best player on the team this year. And I don't want to say that was a surprise because he was definitely really solid last year, but he turned into kind of like a star this year. And that was really, really cool to see. Um, and then another thing, Michael Carter, the running back, just want to give a shout out. I mean, he was, he was such a beast this year, you know, maybe it doesn't say it on the stat sheet, but, I think, you know, I, I remember seeing this all over Twitter during the season and, you know, you could see it watching the game. It's like this dude never got tackled on the first try. Like, he, I don't know what the stat is, but he must be up there in the league in force missed tackles. I mean, he was, he was just real fun to watch and really exciting players uh, overall coming in. So that's 
stuff to look forward to. Yeah, for me, um, one thing I think we, the fans maybe necessarily haven't talked about enough or, you know, people or this coaching staff, I think drastically improved from, from game one to game 17. Um, obviously, you know, the fan base fired Michael floor after four games. Um, I couldn't be more confident that the jets have a potential top five play caller, um, you know, in football and he's not there yet, uh, but they have that potential. And I, I can't tell you um, I'm 27 years old. I don't know. Has there been two or three years potentially where the jets had, even a top 10 offense in my lifetime, even when the Jets were really good. Um, it was a lot more through the run game, play action passing. Like the Jets were having, you know, three, 400 yard performances at quarterback, um, crazy hook and lateral play screen game, um, all these different things, getting Braxton Barrios, you know, be a guy that's now, you know, in line to make maybe six, $7 million, six, $7 million a year, which is crazy. Um, if you would have said that at the beginning of the year, he was a guy that was like a borderline roster guy. And now he's an all pro. So the confidence on the floor, I thought Ulbrich, um, you know, started off the season really well. The defense kind of played way above, you know, expectations and then obviously fell off in a insane dramatic fashion. Injuries started to just pile up. You can't, you know, lose your two best safeties, your best edge rusher, all these different things. Um, but, you know, Ulbrich, I thought had some nice moments. I thought he had some difficult moments, but he's a guy that he'll be back year two in the system, year two in the scheme. I think you'll see improvement there. Um, and the big one actually is Sala as a whole. Um, you saw him early in the year kicking field goals in inopportune times, going for it, not going for it when he should have gone for it, <clears throat> not following the analytics. And it was just, it was a little concerning. It was like the Jets were playing soft, um, you know, in terms of like just kind of this uh, don't lose by a lot mentality, which we saw way too much under Gase. And I felt like, you know, basically the second half of the year specifically, I think for that Miami game at home on, you know, after the Buffalo game, there was no more blowouts. The Jets were competitive against every team. The Jets put themselves in positions to win. Um, they actually won a few games, obviously. And, and more importantly, Salah started being aggressive. He was um, – the Jets went for it on uh, fourth down, the most efficient – second most efficient times in the entire NFL. Like, when you're supposed to go for it, the Jets went for it. And seeing that, seeing the aggressiveness, seeing Salah get fired up, coaching up some of these young guys, um, trying to build that culture, which is thrown around way too much, but it, it does feel that way. It feels like the arrow's pointing up. Uh, so, you know, that was a huge positive for me. Obviously, you know, there will be more time to kind of break down what we got and saw from the 2021 team, uh, but that's kind of in the rear view mirror now. Obviously, a lot of things, again, positives at 2021 class. Um, the last thing I want to kind of get your guys' take on from 2021 your confidence level out of 10, Zach Wilson achieves, um, you know, kind of his pre-draft status. So, you know, 10 out of 10, Zach, you know, gets to that level that everyone kind of thought uh, or most thought coming out of the draft. And one out of 10, um, he has no, basically no chance. So where would you guys rank yourself, Matt? We'll start with you. Um, For me, it's, it's pretty tough. I mean, I, I definitely like Zach Wilson a lot. I think, you know, when he's, when he's rolling, he's like very fun to watch. I just don't think he showed enough. Uh, in his rookie year to really be at that, you know, seven to 10 level. But I think, you know, my confidence hasn't really fallen too much. I just, I think after year one, it's, it's pretty low, albeit probably like a more of a three, four or five range. Um, but that's, that's not really indicative of his play. I think he just, I think it's kind of a Jets curse for me right now in my lifetime. Uh, the Jets haven't had a quarterback longer than, you know, three and a half, four years. So, I mean, I mean, you can say something similar for you, Will, but I think it's uh, – I think I'm just right there. You know, I would say probably like a four and a half or five. But, you know, I, 
the hope's not gone at all. Like I, I don't, I don't want uh, listeners to think I'm out on Zach because I'm really not. You know, I, I just think a lot of things he didn't do well this year. A lot of things he did do well, and a lot, lot to work on. But hey, he's a rookie. Josh Allen sucked as a rookie too. You know, a bunch of guys haven't been good, and traditionally, that's that's the case. So I mean, no, no hope is really lost in that. I think just after 2021, it's it's about at a five. Charlie, how about you? Yeah. Um... I think I definitely have some similar thoughts. I think I was very disappointed with Zach Wilson in the beginning of the year and not, not a personal attack on Zach Wilson or anything. I think it's just like Matt was saying, you know, as Jets fans, we've kind of had, we've been cursed with some, some bad quarterback play and, you know, moving on from a young quarterback to then taking one second overall, you're like, all right, this has to be the guy. He's got to be a home run right away. And I think those expectations might've been a little, a little off, especially considering Michael for did a great job throughout the year, but in the beginning of the season still wasn't there yet. I think a lot of, a lot of them, there was a lot of moving pieces on off on the offensive line and um, at receiver in the beginning of the season and throughout. Um, so I think Zach Wilson definitely made some mistakes that like, you know, he didn't show in college, like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are making mistakes. I think we had seen from them in college, whereas like Zach Wilson was just kind of playing not at all how he did in college. Um, but at the end of the day, like you look and the three quarter, the four quarterbacks that went in the top 10, I don't really think you feel particularly great about any of them, but I don't think any team or any fan base should feel bad about the quarterback they have. Um, and that definitely goes for Zach Wilson. Uh, he looked better down the stretch and I think we're going to continue to add weapons in the off season. Like, you know, like we could have three fresh faces at receiver, a new tight end, um, maybe another offensive lineman. I think, Another year in the system, another year for Michael LaFleur to improve even more. Um, I'm pretty confident that he can still be a really good NFL quarterback. Do I think he's going to be those like Aaron Rodgers level comparisons that he got before the draft? I don't think so, but I, I would say I'm at like a six right now, six and a half, that he can still be um, six and a half, meaning I think he can still be a really good NFL quarterback given the right um, support system with the Jets the next couple of years? Yeah, so for me, um, I kind of stand in a similar spot with the majority of the, the rookie quarterbacks. I actually am most down on fields as a whole. Um, I think I'm at like a, a five uh, when it comes to Justin Fields. I'm at like a nine with Mac Jones, but Mac Jones, you have to remember Mac Jones' ceiling, um, I viewed as a serviceable starting quarterback, which is exactly what he was this year. So I'm pretty confident like that's what he's going to be. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I'm probably still at a seven and a half and it's basically all system and like uh, situation related because while Trevor turned the ball over a bunch and, you know, didn't look great by any means, it was a pretty disastrous rookie year. The town's very much there and you still see it. Um, with Zach, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I'm six and a half, seven. Um, I'm very confident he's going to be a, at least at worst middle of the road, middle tier quarterback in that, um, you know, at, at his, if it's his floor to me right now is not Josh Rosen or, um, you know, any of these guys that people are throwing around because of his EPA per play um, as a rookie, which I think the eye test shows you something very different, uh, especially at the end of the year. I guess, you know, if Zach's, you know, if seven to get him to that Aaron Rodgers tier, which is what, you know, his pre-draft comp was, I think is, is it's pretty, I think we just have to be careful as a whole. Um I, everyone that follows me on Twitter or, or knows me knows Aaron. I think Aaron Rodgers is the best throw of the football that's ever walked the face of the earth. 
Um, if you go look at his spray chart at age 38, um, it's, it's pretty, he's an alien. Um, he, we were talking today about, you know, the longest air yard throws in NFL history and Aaron Rodgers rolling to his left against a blitz through at 73 yards on a dime. Like that's not realistic. Um, but that's not realistic for anyone. That's Andrew Wiggins coming out of college and being like, Oh, he's the next LeBron James. Like, why are we doing this? Um, do I think Zach could be Derek Carr? Do I think Zach could be in the Dak Prescott tier? Sure. Um, which is why I still sit at a seven if the Jets surround him with talent. Um, I just think we have to remember at the end of the day, Zach's going to have to improve on his pocket presence and footwork and, um, you know, aggressiveness versus, you know, when to, you know, pull it down. I think we saw a lot of that, especially, you know, the Bucks game is obviously the best example. I thought we saw that Tennessee, Carolina, the second half, you know, games like that, but the Jets need to surround this guy with weapons because no matter what player you look at around the NFL, any quarterback, they can't do it without, you know, can't do it without weapons, no matter who it is, whether it's Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, who's fantastic or Herbert, or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. When these guys don't have weapons, they're not very good. Um, so even the best players, Tom Brady got shut out by the Saints this year at home without weapons. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, two years ago when they, you know, the first year in the LaFleur system, they went to the NFC title game, but it was his worst career year in 15 years because the weapons, you know, weren't, you know, all healthy all year or um, Josh Allen pre pre digs and, and Cole Beasley and these guys, it just, it doesn't happen on your own. The NFL doesn't work the way it used to. You don't need one number one receiver, a power back and uh, possession tight end. You need four or five guys that can contribute, you know, 40, 50 catches a year minimum and a running back that can touch the ball 20 times a game in different varieties of ways through screens, run plays, um, you know, lining up in the slot, all these different types of things. So this is where I want to jump to next. Um, obviously a pretty big off season for the Jets. I think it's the biggest off season outside of maybe 2008 that we've seen in, and you know, maybe in Jets history, um, you know, they have a real chance here with this young core, this young coaching staff, everyone on the same page. The dolphins are spiraling right now. They're back in on Tua. They fired Brian Flores. The Patriots are, you know, all in with Mac Jones and this free agency class. But as we saw this year, you know, Miami beat them twice. Buffalo, you know, beat them up pretty bad. Um, and the bills are obviously the class of the division, but with the seventh wild card, the Jets need to be competitive. That said, Matt, I'll have you go first here. Your two biggest offseason needs and what your plan for, would be for free agency. Either it's a guy you want to go after or where you think the Jets need to target most in free agency. Um, yeah, for me, so to start, I mean, I'd just like to say that, you know, getting that seventh wild card spot is just – is, is what the goal should be. And it, it's what I think needs to happen because, look, once you get to the, to the playoffs, once you get to the dance, you know – anything happens, you know, anything, anybody can make a run for a few games, anything happens, you know, we saw in the, off, the, the season this year, you know, we just beat the Titans and Bengals, like, you know, like you said before, like the Jaguars beating the Bills, like anything can happen in the NFL. Um, but I think, you know, as far as free agency goes, you know, I've been hearing calls about Calvin Ridley. I would definitely check in on that for a little bit, um, you know, see, see, see what you can get for him or just, you know, how he's feeling with, you know, his mental health stuff because, you know, he's, he's a guy, you know, he's, he's like one of the best receivers in the league and he could, you know, insert him right into the lineup and he'd be an instant playmaker an instant weapon for Zach. Um, but as far as free agency goes, you know, I think we definitely need to address um, linebacker a little bit, you know, maybe add a, add a safety. I mean, I'd love to franchise tag Marcus May. Um, you know, he only played about 40, 50% of the season this year. Um, and you know, he, this year, you know, he wasn't great, but every other year he's been with the jets, he's been a, a very good safety. And 
our defense was clearly missing that, you know. Um, so I definitely like to do that. I think on defense, you know, the defensive line, you know, if, if something is working out, you know, at edge maybe, but I wouldn't overspend there. We've already, you know, paid John Falcon Myers, and I would expect Carl Lawson to come back healthy and have a good year. Um, for agency, as long as far as wide receiver goes, I don't know that I would address anything there um, unless, you know, a couple low, low, low contract signings because I think we can do some damage in the draft with that. Charlie, how about you? Yeah, um, building off that, I think receiver is certainly a position we're going to need to upgrade, right? Like, we're going to end up losing most of our receivers and have, like, three guys on the roster. Uh, as much as everyone else want to bring back Braxton Berrios, for sure, um, I think there's definitely a price tag threshold that, like, I don't think we should be willing to pass. But I think I think he showed he, he can be a capable rece- receiver and obviously a great, a great player in the return game. Um, so I think – Braxton Barrios, in addition to drafting and even adding more receiver talent in addition to that. Um, look, but during the Buffalo game, we're down to like our eighth eighth receiver, right? Like I wish Denzel Mims was better, but I, I don't want him playing in games. Like if he's not going to do anything, right? Like he's just not, he's not there yet um, or will ever be there. Um, but it shows we, we got down to our eighth receiver spot or whatever it was. So I think we definitely need to add a lot of talent there. Um, I think on the offensive line, right guard has been a popular, a popular thought. Um, and I don't know if it's going after Brandon Scherf. I don't think, I don't know if we need to do that at that point, then we have a really expensive offensive line in terms of draft capital and spending. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I just, I don't really think that's the best way to manage a team. I think right guard's probably the least spot, the least important spot on the offensive line for sure. Um, and I think their starters in free agency, right? Whether that's Trey Turner or like Connor Williams or something, right? Like these guys that are going to make like probably under 10 million a year. Um, and I know the price tag for every free agent's going up, but we have money to spend. I just, I don't think we need to be breaking the bank. Um, I think you can find starting caliber players in the draft too at that position, but a lot of from that, I think guard receiver tight end, I think is definitely a big one. I love the Dalton Schultz thing. Um, again, I think there's a pretty deep tight end class as well also. Um, and then I think we've been, we ran a lot of four two five stuff this year on defense. So I don't think it's like we need to pick each linebacker spot and fill it out, but we need CJ Mosley to have a running mate your opinions on CJ Mosley may be different from others, right? Like I think he played really well in some aspects and didn't play well in others. The stats were a little deceiving, whether you're looking at PFF grades or like his tackles or something like that. I think he's somewhere in between. Um, and I think it's important to add a linebacker that, that is going to be a little more reliable than Quincy Williams. Cause I think Quincy Williams showed a lot of good things for a guy we just p- picked up off of waivers. Um, but at the same time, like, he took some horrible angle angles to the football and is an unreliable tack tackler. And I, I do not think he's very good in coverage either. So um, I think that'll definitely be an important position to fill. And then what we want to do at our two safety spots and another cornerback spot, right? We got a lot of holes, but I think we have a lot of assets to, to, to attack that. But I think the biggest being tight end um, guard receiver and linebacker, in my opinion. Yeah, so for me, free agency comes down to a few things. Um, The Jets have to be aggressive. I'd like to see the Jets buy defensively. Um, We'll get to the draft here in a second. 
um, you know, before wrapping up. But the draft, you know, for me, I think the Jets need to go pretty heavily offense. I think from an offensive perspective in free agency, I like to see the Jets target tight end pretty heavily. Whether that's Dalton Schultz, if he makes it to free agency and the Cowboys don't tag him. Um, whether that's a Robert Tunyon, an Evan Ingram, David Njoku, maybe that mid-tier level tight end um, is one of your two options. A guy that fits the scheme well, obviously Robert Tunyon being in Green Bay, uh, 11 touchdowns last year, gets hurt this year in a freak injury uh, against the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football, but obviously comes from the exact same scheme out in Green Bay. So he's a, he's, he'd be a good fit at a mid-level guy. Uh, Njoku's got problems staying on the field and being consistent, but he's a really good low-key, really good run blocker, obviously um, pretty athletic freak. You look at Nevin Ingram, obviously a pass catching option, a guy that, you know, was a pro bowler two years ago, but had some of the drops and, um, you know, obviously needs maybe a new situation. So, um, you know, obviously it's hack tight end there, right guard and, and just general um, interior offensive line depth, um, whether it's bringing LDT back as, you know, a guy to compete for a starting role, um, finding a better version of Dan Feeney. Maybe they don't love the Islander games as much, but they're actually legitimately a good football player. And then, you know, try, you obviously try to bring Morgan Moses back. I would be shocked, um, not because Morgan Moses doesn't like playing here, not because he's not a good player, not because the Jets don't want to retain him, simply because Morgan Moses should be a starting right tackle in the NFL. And, um, you know, with, with if all things go according to plan, whether the Jets draft a line at, you know, at four or not, you know, you should have Mekhi Becton and George Fant there. So um, I'm not sure, you know, Morgan Moses is signing up to be a swing tackle again um, for a back-to-back seasons. Running back, um, I mean, I think you look to re-sign maybe Tevin Coleman as your RB3. You know, maybe there's a guy in free agency you, you take a look at. Um, it's obviously re-signing Braxton Barry as a receiver, and I think the Jets either, um, you know, maybe need to get a different version of a Keelan Cole. Maybe it's a Demarcus Robinson, a Russell Gage, someone like that that, you know, can be a versatile player and, uh, you know, be their wide receiver five for depth. Um, defensively, I like to see the Jets pursue edge pretty hard. Uh, I don't know that it's in free agency. I think it's maybe more of a trade market. If Daniel Hunter either gets cut or is available, I think you do whatever you got to do to get him. Bryce Hoff, Carl Austin, and Daniel Hunter as one edge group would be pretty damn impressive. Um, you know, there's other guys at like Chandler Jones. You know, you maybe give him a high, you know, annual value, you know, over a shorter contract. Maybe it's a, a two-year, $40 million deal, and he comes in here and, you know, gets 10 to 15 sacks over the next two years. And that Calvin Pace type mold um you know and obviously J- jones is a far better player than calvin pace was ever was but that type of player um i don't i think you let fully fatukasi walk i don't think you know he's a player that contributes very little um outside of the run game and while the jets struggled against the run i think you could you know fill that with the jonathan marshall and a day three pick at interior defensive line on the cheap as opposed to paying nine million dollars a year for fully fatukasi um, I think you bring back rankings, Q, JFM, Huff, all these guys. And, you know, if they stay healthy, I think you look to, you know, if Devondre Campbell hits the market, um, it would be crazy. He's a, an all pro and, you know, he's a guy, obviously you target pretty heavily uh, if you don't want to target that in the draft. And then safety wise, you know, it's Justin Reed, who I think the Jets should make a call in the first five seconds of free agency and make him a jet. He's 24 years old. Houston's letting him walk, uh, which is wild to me, but safety's usually hit the market. So, He's a guy I would go after pretty heavily, be a good scheme fit. He's a really good player. Um, there's Marcus Williams, Jesse Bates. Um, you know, I think the Honey Badger is not really in the window in which, you know, similar to Sherman last year. Yeah, it's a great player. And, you know, you'd love to bring him to your locker room. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense from that timeline perspective. Um, so those are, you know, those are guys I'd go after. The cornerback market, Carlton Davis is a guy that, 
you know, would be a nice signing for the Jets. And I think they could use him, but I, I just don't know that Joe Douglas goes out there and pays Carlton Davis $18, $19 million a year. Um, I would have a hard time believing that. Let's move towards the draft. Um, four top 40 picks, all their picks, uh, nine top, you know, nine picks in the first five rounds, uh, five top 100, four in the top 40, two in the top 10. Charlie, you're a draft guy. I'll start with you on this one. I want you to address A, what positions you think are the most imperative they use in round one? And then um, walk me through your ideal first two rounds. So the Jets get who they would get in the first two picks in the first and second round, and then Matt will go to you. Yeah, so I think this will be, um, you know, highly dependent on what we do during free agency, of course. Um, but I'm going to assume with my kind of ideal pick slash where I think they'll end up falling that where we're going off this roster and not one that we've added anything in free agency. Um, I think the free agency positions are pretty similar to the draft positions. Um, I think Kyle Hamilton is probably the best player in this draft. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think he's more than just, Oh, we're picking a safety in the top five. I think we're picking, we're picking a guy that's going to completely transform our defense. But I, I understand if, if, you know, we don't want to pick a safety there, it's, it's obviously not best practice, even if he's the best player available. Um, I understand going offensive line at four. It's not something I really want to do, but I think it's a good spot for another offensive lineman. I, I don't really want to have an offensive line that has three top 10 picks and two other offensive linemen that make top 12 in their, in their positional market value. But if we, if we decide to go there and we have a dominant offensive line, then so be it. Um, I think 10 was a really good spot for Jameson Williams. Um, and obviously he got hurt. So I don't think that's going to be the pick there anymore. Um, so I, it's kind of hard to, to tell exactly like in our exact spots, like what players we're going to, what players we're going to go after, because I think four and 10 are just kind of awkward picks um, in terms of our need. I think Ahmad Gardner makes a lot of sense. Um, I'd be, I'd be happy with Derek Stingley as well at, um, Derek Stingley being at four and Ahmad Gardner being at 10 more likely. Um, I think Andrew Booth is also another really good player. I think he probably falls out of the top 10 and I don't, I don't, I'm happy kind of ignoring that in the top 10. I think as you go towards pick 34 and 38, um, you know, I really think, I think Trey McBride has been a popular pick among fans and I think he's a really good player. Um, and a definite day two guy, but to me, like picks 34 and 38 are always to me just extensions of the first round. And I think with those picks, you need a guy like Elijah Moore, right? You need like someone that's like, he's that guy's a first round pick. Like how the hell did he just fall out of the first round? I think if it's Trey McBride, it's like, yeah, like that's a good player. Like you're getting a good player there, but you get, you get good players that pick 40 through, through 60, you know, or like, I think that's where we can get a Zion Johnson or something like that. Um, so in terms of specific, specific spots, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm really answering the question, but I think I want to attack one of those needs, whether that be O-line receiver corner or, you know, edge receiver corner or whatever we end up doing. Um, but I think we have a lot of good assets and we're going to have a lot of chances to pick a good player. But I do want to be on record saying that Kyle Hamilton's the best player in this draft and Jets fans should not be upset if we, if we pick him because he's not Jamal Adams 2.0. Um, even though Jamal Adams was an all pro player for the Jets, I think he's better. And 
we picked Jamal Adams sixth, the sixth overall, which may not have been great value for a safety, but what do we get in return for him? Two first round picks and a third round pick. So I think that's pretty good value if you ask me. Interesting. That'll, uh, that'll fire some people up. Obviously the discourse around guys like Hamilton, uh, Carl Loftus and Linderbaum is rather, rather tenuous on Jets Twitter. Matt, how about you? Um, where would you like, you know, you could give us the four picks you'd love to see, um, but where would you like to see the Jets go, I guess, positionally or, or strategy wise in the, uh, in the top two rounds of the 2022 draft? Yeah. Um, starting off, you know, as Charlie is my twin brother, we have vastly similar uh, viewpoints on almost everything, especially the Jets. But for this draft, you know, again, I, I also really, really like Kyle Hamilton, um, but I also really like Derek Stingley. Um, you know, I think corner is a position that's pretty weak on the team, and I think it didn't really get exploited as much as we thought, but that's just because teams were running running the ball down our throats. You know, I think when they wanted to, they could pass on our defense very easily. Um, and, you know, again, depending on free agency, what, what happens, I think Derek Singley is a, would be a great pick, uh, sauce Gardner again, uh, at four or 10, you know, we'll see, we'll see how, how all stuff goes, you know, it's still pretty far away. I'd like to lean away from the offensive line, uh, in round one, just because, you know, we've gotten that the past two years and yes, it, you know, building, you know, a blockade for Zach Wilson up front is very nice. But, you know, all in all, all things considered, missing our best offensive lineman, our our offensive line was, you know, middle of the pack. So I, I think, you know, a couple more things happen. We have a couple more playmakers on the outside, a couple more playmakers on defense. You know, I think our I think our team is a lot better. Uh, I think it makes our team better if we, you know, address other positions. Um, you know, George Karloff is the name that gets floated around a lot. I think we're at awkward picks for him. You know, four, I think, is a little too high. Ten's a little too late. Um, but then, you know, at 10, if, if, if we are picking at 10, I think I would love, you know, a receiver or, you know, and I think Nick Dean would be also be awesome there. You know, I've seen that and I, I know it's again, not great positional value, but he's a baller and we need a, we need, we need another stud linebacker to, to partner up with CJ Mosley. And I think, you know, Nick Dean and CJ Mosley as a linebacking core would be pretty freaking awesome. You going into next year. Um, and then for the second round, you know, again, depending on free agency, depending on the first round, I think there's a couple cornerbacks we could probably snag there. You know, Charlie mentioned Zion Johnson. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I, I, I've i heard and read reports, you know, that he is a, he's a pretty good uh, scheme fit for us. And, you know, he's a, he's got a lot of um, snaps under his belt at Boston College. So I think, you know, I think that could be a good pick. But, you know, overall, you know, it's going to be a really exciting draft and, I honestly, this is one of the times where I think, you know, you can't go wrong, really. You know, we, we have so many holes in, in the team, which is really, really unfortunate. But having, you know, four picks in the top 38, you know, we can fill those spots with some hopefully superstar players. Yeah, no, the, the draft right now is a, is a place where, you know, because not knowing what happens in the trade market, because not know what, you're not knowing what happens in free agency – it's very hard to figure out what teams actually are going to need, right? The Jets right now could have a huge need of linebacker. They signed Devondre Campbell. The, the need is now not no longer there. And now you you move elsewhere. My my biggest thing is I need the Jets to be aggressive in free agency and trade market. So on draft day, they can pick best player available no matter what and not be position pigeonholed based on need, right? Like 
right guards in need right now, but I don't want the Jets to have to draft Evan Neal just because right guards and right guards in need and they have to use a top four pick on him. If they think Evan Neal's a top four pick or a top player on their board and they feel like a two-year plan with um, you know, Neal, Becton, and, and Fant uh, all play together, and then Fant walks and it's Neal and Becton, or it's Fant and Neal because Becton doesn't get it done, that's one thing. Um, drafting Neal because you have no other option because you need to draft for that value or that position is not a good place to be in. So um, for me, I'd like to trade down from four. Um, there's a lot of ta- there's three big tackles in this draft: Cross, Aquanu, uh, and Neil. If you love one of them, you take them. But you know, teams like the Panthers, uh, teams like the Giants, all are going to be looking to take uh, you know offensive linemen as are potentially the Jaguars. You know, they might draft Evan Neal. Uh, Evan Neal at one. Obviously, the pie in the sky is Kayvon uh, dropping. He had some interesting quotes uh, the other day about not wanting to go to Bama, wanting to go to Oregon because of Phil Knight. Um, you know, that's. Maybe that's the uh, the Jay Z dinner quote, and we'll you know we'll see him uh, you know we'll see him fall one or two spots. The Jags could go him one. You know, the Texans could take a quarterback. The Texans could go corner. The Patriots have invested heavily over the years in corner um, with high high first round picks, and you know maybe Houston falls. You know, Drod Mayo comes in, which is the you know the heavy the leader in the clubhouse of the Texans' job as we record, and they take Derek Stingley three or Kyle Hamilton, and the Jets you know get Kayvon Thibodeau, and you know, all these uh, all these mock drafts you know don't really matter anymore, but. You know, Carolina, Atlanta, um, you know, both need to come up for a tackle. So do the Giants, so do the Jags, and the Jets could also, you know, go align. So there's five teams for three tackles. The Jets are in a prime position. If either one of the quarterbacks falls out at the Senior Bowl, you know, the Jets are coaching Kenny Pickett. You have to hope maybe Houston falls in love with him, Detroit, or, um, you know, another team, maybe a Denver or Carolina as well. Um, so as the board stands now, I'd trade back. If I don't, my rankings are probably Neil, um, you know, at – one just as of now, but that could very much change. I have to kind of you know sit back and look at that. Um, Hamilton and Stingley, I, I'd be I'm fine with. I just need to see how else they address the offseason. And uh, you know, that's kind of where I stand, I guess. O line, um, you know, Carlosis is definitely an option there. Um, Ajabo is not really a scheme fit, and I think they'd be reaching pretty high. Carlosis is probably a bit of a reach at four, but it's not egregious, um, you know, by any standards. At 10, um, this is just where I stand now at 10. Um, I mean, I think you got to go receiver here. Um, you know, Sauce Gardner, Booth, Elam are guys that you could definitely look at, and the Kobe Dean is definitely worth exploring. But I think um, you either go Garrett Wilson or Drake London at, at 10. Um, Traylon Burks is another name you could watch out for. Um, I know Connor loves Traylon Burks, and a lot of the you know a lot of the draft community does. Wilson to me is a perfect scheme fit. Him more and Davis would be pretty electrifying. Wilson's very good at everything. Um, six foot one ninety, um, probably run high four fours, maybe four or five flat. Pretty much CD Lamb. So um, I'd be excited about him. Drake London is is Brandon Marshall to me. I think um, he would be a massive addition to this offense. His yards after catch are, you know, spectacular. The most contested catches in, in college football this year, and he missed four games. So those are guys I'd look at there. In a trade-back scenario where they trade back from 10, it's still looking at receiver. Um, it's still looking at corner, and it's still looking now you're, again, you're already more in the range of a uh, Nicobe Dean or even a Tyler Linderbaum if you want to go, um, you know, center there, which I'm not – Linderbaum's a fantastic prospect. I just think there are bigger needs on this roster. Uh, when it comes to 35 and 38 – Pick 35, um, tight end, certainly a, um, a possibility. And McBride uh, there can make a lot of sense. Uh, corner, again, to, you know, if Sauce Gardner or Booth or Elam fall, 
um, which would be pretty surprising. But if they do, you know, that could be an option. A guy, you know, Jordan Battle, who just went back to Alabama last night uh, for his senior year, is an option. Devin Lloyd is certainly an option. If he's able to fall, he'd be a perfect running mate with CJ Mosley. So there's a lot of options there. Um, and then 38 is kind of a extension of whatever they do at 35. If they address receiver in round one and offensive line, then, you know, round two, I'd like to see tight end, uh, safety, potentially edge, you know, Majai Sanders, maybe someone like that. So um, there's a definitely, again, uh, certainly a lot of options. Um, we'll, last, we'll finish up. Uh, we'll finish up here with one last thing, Matt, I'll go to you first, then to Charlie pie in the sky, whether it's realistic or not, who's the one player um, the Jets, like you would be the most happy about it, the Jets acquired this offseason, whether it be trade, free agency, or the draft. Um, I think, I mean, something I guess I could see happening, you know, obviously there's obvious answers I could go, you know, it'd be awesome, you know, if we get Devontae Adams, but, you know, that's just not realistic at all. Um, you know, pending, you know, a franchise tag, money, slash, would he even want to come to the Jets? Probably not. But I would say, you know, either Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson just slipping down to four. Um, you know, it's not a scenario I see happening, but, you know, in the past, you know, sitting at six a couple times, you know, with Leonard Williams, you know, he was everyone saying the best player in the draft. He fell to us at six. Jamal Adams, best player in the draft, fell to us at six. I know everyone, you know, looking back now, doesn't like it, but Sam Darnold, everyone said that was the first overall pick. He slipped to us at three. So I think you know, the, 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 it's in the realm of possibility. So I think getting one of those two guys would be uh, such a huge acquisition to the team. And again, like, I don't think it's realistic, but that, that would probably be a, you know, a dream scenario. Yeah. For me, I think, I think realistic, like one guy I really want to see, I think, I think we can definitely make Dalton Schultz happen. And I think that would, that would be a big, kind of weight off the shoulders move where it's like, okay, we know what we're getting. We're getting at least a good solid tight end, someone that's like going to make Zach better automatically. Um, and then a little more hopeful and like wishful thinking is some sort of scenario where we come off at four and 10 with, with um, uh, Devin Lloyd, Kyle Hamilton type defensive difference maker Um some sort of whatever we want to do at four in this case, I don't really know, but I'm talking like at the 10, 35, 38 picks, like some sort of like Devin Lloyd, Drake London, um, Kyle Hamilton sort of situation for me. Those are guys that I've like really enjoyed watching and I think would make great jets. Um, so if we can get more than one of those players, I think that would be, that'd be huge. Yeah, for me, it's, um, you know, from a receiver perspective, it's acquiring at least one, if not two, um, whether it be through the draft or free agency or, or trade. You know, I think you have to be pretty serious about being aggressive about Michael Thomas. I think you have to be serious about DJ Moore. I think you have to be really serious about Calvin Ridley. Um, I'd, I'd want more out of all those guys, three straight 1100 yard seasons with Cam Newton's noodle arm, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, and Will Greer. Um, the guy's 24 years old going on, get, you know, needs to get paid. Calvin Ridley, all pro last year. Um, obviously, you have to make sure the mental health is, is checking out, but um, he's 27 years old. He's a spectacular player to be the Jets' number one receiver the second he walked onto the, uh, onto the facility. You know, Michael Thomas as well, the guy who set the NFL catch record two years ago. I think we need to um, remember what kind of player he is. Obviously, you have to check out the, um, you know, the, some of the stuff down in New Orleans. How much was that character? How much was that some relationships gone bad? 
Um, and then in the draft, it's Garrett Wilson, it's Drake London, it's Traylon Burks, it's even Jamison Williams. Um, maybe it's a Chris Olave, David Beller, Jahan Dotson later if they if they choose to wait. So they need to address receiver, tight end, um, you know, and they need to address probably four total of those guys, including re-signing, not including re-signing Braxton Barrios. You need a wide receiver one, you need a wide receiver four or five, you need a tight end one and tight end two. So some pie in the sky, like the dream is obviously probably Schultz, McBride, uh, Garrett Wilson, and, uh, you know, re-signing Barrios in addition to somebody else. So, you know, that's, that's if you went young on offense. Um, we got a lot of stuff uh, coming up on the TOJ pod. Obviously, very excited to try, Matt. Got to hop on and uh, basically took our conversation from the couch and, you know, hopped on and, you know, through some recording. But, um, you know, coming up, John Franklin Myers will be on the pod. Sheldon Rankins um, in terms of current Jets that are locked in. So we'll tease that. Um, a lot of other stuff coming on. Uh, I'll be down at the Senior Bowl um, in two weeks. Going to have a lot of exciting stuff coming out of that as well. So make sure you're subscribed, following on Twitter. Uh, follow Charlie and Matt uh, on Twitter as well. Um, you know, I'll tag them in, uh, in the post tomorrow, but um, enjoy uh, this wild card weekend and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.